You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlin. We are starting a brand new series today uh, called Disconnected, and we're talking about how we engage uh, with media around us, whether it's our phones, our tablets, our watches, uh, our TVs. I mean, we literally, it's smart everything today. Now, I will say this. I had a message. Usually my message is, is the notes are put together midweek. Uh, but this morning around four o'clock, I felt the Lord change my message completely. And I told the Lord that 4 a.m. is not a good time to be working on this before a Sunday morning message. But uh, he clearly had other plans. And so my message shifted this morning. Um, and I, it's actually the title of the message is simply this, Reset. Let me ask you a question. Let's just be honest for a moment. Who's just tired this morning? Like legit tired, like weary tired. So not everybody, that's good, but a good amount of us are. Um, This morning during worship, I just wanna say this. There just seems to be an exhaustion in the air. And the Bible is clear. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. That if you're tired this morning, you know, obviously there's some practical things that you can do. Like there's something, by the way, about a Sunday afternoon nap, which is just epic. Put the kid to bed and then sleep. I've taken a Sunday afternoon, a Sunday afternoon nap so hard that I woke up and forgotten where I was. That's when you know you just napped, right? You're like, where am I? Oh, my house. Oh my, oh, that's like the deep, deep, deep sleep. But there's practical things you can do, but there's also things we can put into our life. I, I, by the way, a root issue, why I think we're always tired and I see this in my life is honestly a lack of margin, right? And so that's, okay, I could go down. I have a thousand tangents. The Lord changed my message this morning. I'm gonna try and stay on track. If not, we're not gonna ever get out of here. When a preacher says short, he needs to commit to it. All right, reset. So that's the title of this message. I I heard a story, you may may know this. In 1888, um, Alfred was reading the newspaper. And when Alfred opened up the newspaper, and this is, I know, hard to imagine before internet and even TV, even before radio, He's opening up, he's reading the newspaper, finding out what's going on in the world around him. And while he's reading it, it blows his mind, but he sees his obituary in the paper. You might've actually heard this story before. And he's like, what in the heck? He couldn't believe it. Now the, the paper made a mistake. His brother passed away. And, it, and, and so the paper mistook him for his brother. And so he's reading the paper and he sees how the world viewed him And it was this incredible thing. And the title of the obituary that he read about himself simply said this. It's French, I'm sorry, I'm gonna try and say it, but the merchant of death is dead. And he kept reading and he found out that's completely about me. Now the person reading it was Alfred Nobel, the guy from the Nobel Peace Prize. He invented dynamite. That's where he got all of his money from. And so he had built up a great big fortune. He was well known in the community. But when he read his obituary, he was blown away by how he was viewed in the world. The merchant of death is dead. In fact, one of the lines in the obituary said this, Dr. Alfred Nobel, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, died yesterday. Can you imagine? And so he's sitting there and he says to himself, I can't, like, this is my life summed up? And it was a reality check for him, a moment in which he had to say, what am I doing with my life? Now, a common resource that every single one of us in this room has is time. 
We have 24 hours in a day. We have seven days in a week. And with the time that you and I have been given by God, the question is, how do we choose to live our life? What things do we value? What are we gonna do with our time? Because it's a resource that doesn't go on forever, as we all know. And so with our time and how we live our life, it really, really matters. And so the Lord laid this on my heart that all of us, regardless of how we came to church, that we would leave wanting to reset to get our life back in focus and to live it the most effective and best way possible. Now, the story of Alfred Nobel, it reminded him, holy cow, this is how the world sees me. And that is where the Nobel Peace Prize came from. He said, I can't let this be my legacy. This can't be my name. I'm gonna change it. And so he started the Nobel Peace Prize. He gave away 95% of his money to launch it. Five different peace prizes. And so for me, the most famous person I know that that one that was Sheldon on Big Bang Theory. And so, and when he was up on stage, I was like, Sheldon got the Nobel Peace Prize. Actually, Mother Teresa, when she won, this is such a Mother Teresa thing. She won the Nobel Peace Prize. She literally took the gold and melted it and used it to give away to people. I'm like, that's such a Mother Teresa move. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, we're all a little bit convicted. We're all, we're not like that, Okay. Get a Nobel Peace Prize. We're gonna, I'm gonna hang it up somewhere. Look at, anyway, I still have my soccer trophies up somewhere. Anyway, Nobel Peace Prize. He changed his legacy because he saw what am I doing with my life and my, my time. My question to you is the same. What are we doing with our life and with our time? With the same amount of time that all of us, with all of us have in our day, with the same amount of time that we have in our week, what are we choosing to do to live out our life? And how we live really matters. And here's the other thing too. This is, this is important. We will be held accountable for what we did with our time. We will. What you choose to do and how you choose to live isn't just a hakuna matata moment. It truly is what did you do and how did you live? And what I hope is that you can go away and say today is the day that I can reset, that I can get my life and give it over to the Lord and begin to live it the way that he wants me to live it to get the most out of it so that I can be the most effective. Now, having said that, I'm gonna do a quick pause and I'm gonna lead you into just really brief snapshots on what today's message was gonna hone in on on a deeper level. They're kind of tied together so this works okay. Let me give you a quick summary of the message that I was gonna talk to you guys about, ready? And really what this series is about. But I'm gonna start off by, by the, uh, uh, reading from John 14, six. This verse will be on the screen. Jesus says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Now let me say this. We're talking about what do we do with our time and the series that we're talking about is Disconnected, which is being plugged into the world around us. And almost all of us in this room have one of these. Now, I don't know if you grew up in church, but I grew up in church. Has anyone ever seen a CD burning or a tape burning? Anyone, y'all, I gotta get it all secular, like, burn it all. I was talking with someone like a, a two days ago and they were like, I went to a CD burning and then I went and bought all my new CDs again, all the ones that I burned. Anyway, we're gonna be talking about this as an aspect of how we live our life because this more than ever any time before is becoming, how do you escape this? You ever left your house and forgot your phone? and felt naked, you're like, what do I do? It's, we live our entire lives through this. Our money's through this. Our communication with the outside world is through this. How we find out what's going on in the news happens through this. This is even a stinking flashlight. You're like, where am I? I can't see, I got a phone, I can see. The moment that you can shave with this, it's gone too far. Someone needs to stop. My point is that every, almost all of us in this room, 
Our lives are so unbelievably intertwined into this. Now, if you're the enemy and you're going to create a strategy to try and push worldview into the world, what better mechanism than something like this? Where we all start thinking the same thing. And here's the thing that I see about our nation currently. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. We're not just going to be a post-Christian nation, meaning that the world is becoming more secular. We're going to become an anti-Christian nation. Meaning that the beliefs that are held in scripture about one true God, that there's no other way to the Father can happen, they're gonna say, well, no, there's lots of ways. There's lots of ways you can express yourself or live your life. When Jesus stands up and he draws a line in the sand and he makes a declaration which you can't ignore, which is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to God. Now, when you look at what Jesus said, we might think that that's an eternity thing. But I'm here to tell you that's a present thing. Presently, right now, there is no other way to live. Jesus said, I am the way. Now, a side thing, which is beautiful, Jesus did not say, at the end of the path, you find me. Jesus said, I am the path, meaning that he starts with you and he ends with you. But here's the thing, there's no other way. And in the world you and I live in, there's lots of ways, lots of areas in which you can explore, lots of things that you can do, however you feel, whatever feels good. And I'm here to tell you that the world is changing so much, so then what do we do if you made a decision to follow Jesus? How do we navigate following Jesus in a world where our lives are so intrinsically tied to this? Well, we need to learn to become disconnected. We need to realize, listen, by the way, these aren't bad. We're not gonna have a phone burning after this, calm down. I know you're like, and, and, and this is like money, okay? Money's not bad or good. Now, the, the root of all evil is the love of money. I'll say it like, but money itself is just money. This is not bad. There can be some very good things that happen here. But there's also can be a whole lot of bad that happens here. And as Christians, one of the most important things that we have to decide is this. What is gonna actually lead our life? Is it gonna be, hold on, this? Or is it gonna be this? And the way we all know is because how many, how much time, do, like how much does this affect our day? You get an email from out of nowhere and it, it affects you. You get a text or something happens on social media to hatch you. you, you read news and it impacts you. My point is that this is leading a lot of our lives. Now, you look at the Bible, especially the Old Testament, something you can know about God is that he's a jealous God. He wants no other gods before him. Christians in a modern age and I'm not saying that we bow down and worship this because this is just a phone. What I am saying though is this, we tie ourselves to the content of this stuff like it's life or death. And I would hope, now again, not bad. There's some great stuff on this. Like check your bank account, deposit a check mobile, don't stand in line or be in line. Like that's great stuff. Stock your kids to make sure that they're safe and not out somewhere to party. Like find their iPhone. You said you were here. Uh-uh, that didn't happen. Make it sound and scare them, out of the, uh, scare them half to death. That's good stuff. I think. Is that cross lines? Don't send me an email. Don't send me. I got, I got some great emails. I, could, you know, I, I, I move on with my life. My point is, if you're a Christian, you made a decision to follow God. It's his word that speaks to us. And, and his word, Jesus, has to be more important than anything that's in the world. That's what being a Christian means. You know the early Christians weren't even called Christians, they were called people of the way, meaning that they chose to live their life in such a way that it brought honor to God. They weren't even called Christians, they were called people of the way. I pray that we would be people who know how to live our life in such a way 
that we find the true path. Now, having said that, let me show you, let me share with you some things about the current world and what it is, just things that I've noticed, ready? With us, and we're gonna do more deep dives in the coming weeks so that we can get disconnected. Let me tell you some ways in which I feel like if we're not careful, this stuff can really impact us and already has impacted us in negative ways. You know what happens when we don't get, dis- get disconnected? We tend to drop our guard when we get entertained. By the way, this is me. You're tired from a long day, what do you do? You throw on Netflix, find a show. But how many times, or something else, Prime, or I watch a lot of British television, but here's the thing when it comes to being entertained, we tend to drop that side of us that says, huh, I need to be careful with what I'm doing. Because we're tired and we wanna be entertained and we wanna have fun, we allow ourselves to do all kinds of things that, or watch all kinds of things or experience all kinds of things that we know probably are maybe not always the best. Have you ever said these things? Man, the lyrics of this song are awful, are awful, but the beat is incredible. My kids, I created a Spotify mix for myself called Through the Years, and I'm 41 years old. I have a very eclectic taste. And so I put all my songs together. A lot, a lot of those are secular songs. Like, song, like when Hootie and the Blowfish album came out, I was like, that's it right there. Boys to Men, number two album. Water Runs Dry, it's like silk. I mean, that stuff is like, they're incredible. Um, just some old school stuff. But what's funny is, and, and, and so... But now that I'm listening to my, I have my kids in my car. So I have a, get ready to be teenager. I have a, t- a nine-year-old and I have a four-year-old. And sometimes a song will come on and I'm like, what did they just say? And then it's even worse. My kids are like, dad, did they just say this? I'm like, don't listen to that. <laughs> when we allow ourselves to be entertained, it's like we check the side of our brain that's like, what are you listening to? I mean, dude, like R&B in the late 90s or music was just, I mean, this is how we do it. This is how we do it. It's Friday night. No one? That was the whitest rendition that's ever happened to that. But I'm just, how many times have we, so we believe in Jesus, but we're entertained by things that maybe we need to be careful with. Now, I'm not advocating a bonfire where we throw our phones in there. What I am telling you is this, what you do with your time matters and it matters to God. And let me just ask a question. Is the world a happy place right now? So with all of the things it's doing, is it making people happier? And in the midst of a world that's chaos and angry and broken, Jesus stands apart. He's just different. And he says, do you wanna find life? Then I am the way. Now, the world doesn't like that because the world wants it to be however you feel, but I'm here to tell you, Jesus stands and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, if you wanna come to where life is ultimately found, it's only through me. There is no other way. And that's a hard message to hear sometimes, but it is, I believe with all of my heart, the best message that we could ever embrace. Because when we do, we discover that Jesus's way is always better. It's not always easier. Don't mistake better for easier. I think sometimes we think that Jesus is supposed to, hey, the moment you get saved, he clears the path for you and the rest of your life is easy. He never promised easy. He just said it would be better. That's where life is found. In fact, he actually said this, if you want life, give it away. So we need to make the distinction that it's better does not mean easier. It sometimes means harder, but harder doesn't mean worse. Harder can sometimes mean better. I'm talking really fast right now. I need to slow down. All right, sorry. Brain it in, Jeremy, slow, I get excited. Here's the next thing, ready? Here's the other thing about, about, about just not being disconnected if we're not careful with the things that we allow into our life. Here's another thought. These are random thoughts, by the way, but we compare ourselves when we snoop. Yeah, you snoop. Don't act like you don't. You get your phone out late at night. You're going to bed. You pop that thing out. 
You got that new coworker, you're like, oh, what are they like? Like this. Any boss, your neighbor who just moved down the street. Mm-hmm. What's, what are their names? What are their names? Oh, you find it. Don't act like you don't snoop. You, you're all up in there. And here's the thing. All of us, you've snooped. Try to figure out who someone is or what someone's doing. And when you snoop, really, there's only two outcomes. You're either better than that person or you're worse. You look at one, you're like, man, their life is a train wreck right now. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Then you flip over to the, to the next person you're looking at and you're like, man, their family is pretty. My family's ugly. What happened here? How did they get to have vacation? What the heck happened over here? Don't act like you're not up late at night and can't sleep. You're like, I'm just saying, you, you snoop. But the only outcome of snooping is either you feel better about yourself or you feel worse about yourself. And think about, we have more opportunities to be connected than ever before, and yet people are lonely and anxious. My point is, is that even if you don't believe in Jesus, at least admit the world's way doesn't work. And then if you can admit the world's way doesn't work, maybe you open yourself up to the fact that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, means that his words carry gravity because if the world's way doesn't work, then there should be another way. And in fact, there is, it's Jesus. And what we do with our time matters, and it matters to God. And so we allow ourselves. So, so I'm, just, I'm just simply pointing out the, things that, the ways in which we fall into these traps. Let me, let me, give, you, let me give you another one. I, I, as a parent, I see this. But here's another one, ready? We tend to pacify instead of parent. And this is a big one. By the way, all of my kids have tablets. We have a Switch in the house. We have an Xbox in the house. My son wants an Oculus, which is the virtual reality. And I'm like, let's limit ourselves to just a couple of devices this year. There's computers in the house. And so, again, we have all this stuff. We have it. My kids have tablets. But here's what I've noticed, ready? Instead of actually parenting kids, and I see this in my own house sometimes, it becomes easier to, hey, just watch this and go, just be quiet. And as a result, we live in a nation that is passive. Parents are not parenting and they're pacifying. And let me tell this even further, ready? the world will be happy to raise your kids. If you give up your parental rights over your children, the world will gladly step in and say, I will tell them what to think. I will tell them how to feel. I'll tell them what to believe. Don't think for a minute, by the way. We think the battle of the enemy is in this room. You know where the battle for the enemy is? It's in that room back there. Because it's the generation that the enemy is after and coming after. And here's what we're doing. is an entire... I'm in this category. Parents who are just saying, here, just watch this for a while and have no idea what they're watching and have no idea what those things are teaching or believing. And so I'm not advocating we go back to Amish days and get rid of electricity. What I am saying is parents, we need to, we need to be involved. That God called you as a parent to be involved in your kid's life. He called you, it's a blessing. And that we need to understand and we need to help and we need to navigate these things. And we're gonna do some more deep dives in this series, but this has to do with our time. What are we doing with our time and that we would reset? Well, here's the bottom line is this. I believe that if we could allow this aspect, scripture, what God teaches, if we could invest more of our time with this and we could reset our lives, if we took this as seriously as we should, it would make a big impact in our life. And we stop allowing this to lead us as much, it would change the way that we live. In fact, one of the fruits of actually diving in and making this a part of our life, in fact, is actually Galatians 5, and 23. I want you guys to look at this passage. Here's some fruit of what it means to actually spend time with God. 
This is a well-known passage. It says this, but the, fruit of the, uh, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no such law against these things. By the way, what an incredible list of things. And so like, listen, this list is all of these things. How amazing would it be for people to be like this at the grocery store line? Patience. By the way, don't pray for patience. That's the, one of the worst prayers you could ever pray for. But patience. The bottom line is that God wants to produce these things in your life. By the way, one of the most well-known passages of scripture says, do not judge. It's, it's Matthew. But I want you to know something. Jesus himself, Matthew says this, you will know someone by the fruits of their life. There's a difference between judgment and discernment. Discernment means I see the path you're going down and it's gonna lead to destruction. I discern that you're not headed down the right path and I discern that you don't have good fruit in your life because you've made some bad choices. You're living very selfishly. And as a result, it's gonna lead to destruction. Discernment allows for that to happen. Judgment passes judgment over somebody which says you can never change and God can never work in your life. We need to be careful we don't pass judgment, but I'm here to tell you something. The Bible says, Jesus very clearly said, you can look at a person's life by their actions and say, oh, that's pretty, that's, pretty, that's pretty bad fruit. And so the Bible gives this connotation between our fruit and how we live and it mattering a lot to God. So the Holy Spirit produces these different kinds of fruits in our life. Let me just take one of these fruits, ready? Self-control. Self-control. That's not like one of the best ones on the list. When we think fruits of the Spirit, we're like love, joy, Self-control is like at the bottom of the list. And yet self-control could have a massive impact. I need more self-control in my life. If I'm honest with you, and I know this is gonna be shocking, I love food. Like not a little bit love food. Like I love, love food. I can throw down on some food. Sometimes I could use some self-control when I eat. I could use some self-control when I eat. I, I, I'll tell you this, I like to eat when I can rest. And so sometimes if I could preach on a Wednesday night, I won't have dinner until after I'm done preaching and I'm home. It's like late o'clock at night. And then I make up for all the other times that I didn't eat in one meal. I eat, eat. My wife this last week got donuts from Aldi's, the little ones, the chocolates and the powdered sugar ones. I was like, that's the best purchase I've seen all week. Why didn't we do this sooner? And do you know when those donuts call my name? It tends to be when I'm laying in bed at night and the pantry is right next to our room. And I hear the donuts singing a song of, come, we're so good. This is how we do it. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh. self-control. But how would self-control affect a marriage? You, you know how many spouses might find themselves late at night trying to see what their ex-boyfriend or girlfriend is doing? How would self-control help that? Self-control. And see, the Holy Spirit, pastor, you went serious real fast. I didn't like that turn. I mean, I'm just being honest with you guys. My point is, is that God wants to put these things in you. It's, it's how he wants to work in you. The problem is, is that if we don't pay attention to what we're doing with our time, we won't allow time for God to move in us. Do you see what I'm saying? We're just so wa haphazardly wandering through the world that we don't realize that God is actually wanting to work in us and to transform us and to renew us. And if we don't, with our time, give God space to actually do that, God won't do that and we're just gonna keep on wandering from now until forever, always being tired, always being exhausted, and more importantly, not knowing how good and awesome God is.
So today's the day where we reset. He wants to produce good fruit in us. Again, self-control. I came across an incredible story in 1911. There was two explorers, one Norwegian and one from England, who were gonna be the first people, they raced to see who would be the first person to the South Pole in Antarctica. And so they both had the exact same conditions, the exact same time frame. And yet one person, it was a Norwegian guy, Roald Amundsen, he had four men, and he had 52 dogs and he had his equipment. And it's interesting that his strategy for reaching the South Pole was simply this. He said, we're gonna get up and we're gonna hike, walk 20 miles a day, no matter what, and only 20 miles a day. And he came up with the plan. The other, the British explorer, he's just looked it up and he said, we're gonna do this. And here's the difference between two men, the exact same time frame, the exact same conditions, and two men had very different strategies for how they were gonna accomplish it. The Norwegian guy, I said, 20 miles a day. And that meant this, when they were hiking, if the weather was really bad, they didn't stop. They did their 20 miles. They said, that's it, we're gonna press through. We're doing 20 miles a day no matter what. But then if the weather was good and they did their 20 miles, they didn't say, we're gonna do another 20 to make up some time. No, they camped. And every day, no matter what, self-control told them, we're doing 20 miles and that's it. We're not gonna stop, we're not gonna quit, we're not gonna go forward, 20 miles a day. They were the first to make it to the South Pole and their team made it back safely and they had almost no issues. The British explorer though, made it to the South Pole and perished on the way back. Two very different outcomes with the same circumstances. So you're telling me that self-control won't make an impact in someone's life? One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And listen, God, who created everything, is wanting to work these things in us and for us and through us. He wants to give us love. Love is not always an easy thing. It can be a very hard thing. And yet God wants to give us love so that we can love our neighbor. We can love our enemy. We can love those that disagree with us. This is from God. Things that we can learn and be. These are the fruit that God wants to place in our lives. But what I wanna do is go to the root. Where does the fruit come from? Well, this is where I wanna go to the root and then we're gonna be done. John chapter 15, you guys know this passage. John 15, Jesus is talking and he says this in verse five. Yes, I am the, I am the vine and you are the branches. By the way, Sunday school, anybody? He is the vine and we are the branches. His banner over me is love, no? No, okay, all right, good. Sunday school songs. Y'all remember I'm marching in God's army, fighting in the infantry, shooting in the, let's not do that one anymore. Let's stick with he's divine, we are the branches. Anyway, all right, Sunday school days. If you have no idea, God bless you, you survived that one then. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, we know how to remain in this. This we can remain in all day long. And again, this isn't bad. But if we're not careful, this is so all-encompassing that we get absorbed by the things that happen here. What I wonder is do we know how to remain in this? Because Jesus made it clear, apart from me, you can do nothing. And what I want us to do is think differently about the way we're spending our time and what we're doing with our life. I, I wanna encourage you, Jesus makes it clear. You wanna, you wanna accomplish something, you wanna live a life with purpose, apart from me, you can do nothing. He says it, point blank. And then verse six, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. By the way, that's scary. 
I'll keep reading that because it, it, it does, he doesn't, and people say, well, Jesus is a nice teacher. I want you to see Jesus is also very clear. He goes on to say this, such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Here's what happens, ready? Spiritually speaking. And by the way, Jesus said, he doesn't say anyone who doesn't produce fruit gets thrown away. That's not what he said, which is good because sometimes in my life, I feel like I'm producing zero fruit in my life. He says this, if anyone doesn't remain in me. And here's the, that's a very important distinction, but here's the thing. You have someone that's been walking with God for a while and then they get to a point in their life where they just walk away from God or they just, they, they, they just get disenchanted. A lot of that happened with COVID. People just stopped coming to church. And, and so what happens is that when you begin walking away from God, you and I have spirits inside of us. It is our spirit, whether it's your spirit, that connects with God's spirit. And when we walk away from God, our spirit can no longer connect with his spirit. And what happens? That part of us just goes dormant. We don't care anymore. It's like, ah, that's not a big deal in my life anymore. Jesus is saying, if you don't remain in me, when you walk away, that spirit just gets, like, you're no longer engaging with me, the source of life. And so he encourages us to walk with him. Then verse seven, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. We just did a whole prayer series. Let me just say this. When we remain in Jesus, our prayers typically become more Christ-centered prayers and not selfish prayers, which is why they will be granted because you're praying according to what God wants you to pray and not just for selfish motives or ambition. And then verse eight, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So again, phones aren't bad, they're good. They're, 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 they're just either. They can be used for good or they can be used for bad. But Jesus says this, if you're gonna make it in life, reset your life in such a way where you actually spend time and remain in me. And then if you trust me with your life, Jesus says, you'll have fruit. In other words, your life is gonna have an impact in the world around it. Let me give you a thought as we wrap up, ready? It is not our job to produce fruit. It is our job to trust the vine. And this is the good news for today. If you try and make yourself love someone, that's gonna last for 0.5 seconds. You love your kids, that's awesome. You love your spouse, that's great. Sometimes my wife tells me she loves me and she declares it, not because she feels it. You ever have one of those? I hear it, she's like, I love you. She's declaring it because I just did something that jacked everything up. I know it's shocking, I'm not perfect. She's like, I love you. I can feel her declaring it. She's like, I love you. I'm telling myself I love you. Anyway, if you try and love someone on your own strength, it doesn't, it doesn't happen, but guess what? You don't have to. It was never your intent for these things to come from you is always God to place those inside of you. It's him that produces fruit in you and through you. That's how it was meant to be. It is just our job to trust the vine. I had the great privilege of in my, the home I grew up in of watching my parents serve and follow the Lord. And what my parents did, what my mom and dad did is they would go into a city or town that God called them to go and they would start a church and then they would raise up a pastor and then we would leave. So that's one of the reasons why I've lived in seven countries is because my dad would go into a place, start a church and leave. And when that's your lifestyle, it's hard to look at your life and see, did my life have an impact around me? And it's interesting because like, well, did my life have an impact? God, I've trusted you, what have you done? And in 2009, my wife and I were living in Nicaragua and one of my mom's dreams was to fly myself back to Bolivia to the country that I was born, but it's expensive to get to Bolivia. Someone in the US gave my mom, or gave my mom and dad $6,000 so we could buy plane, plane tickets so we could go see Bolivia. Now again, I've lived in a lot of countries. I grew up overseas. My parents were missionaries. I know that's shocking. I don't tell any stories about that. But, um, 
We're flying to Bolivia and my dad is always gone somewhere. And he's trusted, he's trusted the vine, he's trusted God, but what kind of impact could he possibly have when you just don't know? Some of the churches my dad had don't exist anymore. They're gone. But some of the churches still exist to this day and are still being vibrant parts of the community. But back in 2009, I'll show you a picture of my wife and I. My wife is actually expecting our daughter. By the way, that is an awesome mustache that I got going on. That's younger Jeremy. Uh, anyway, I apologize for that picture. Um, <laughs> anyway, we're, we're in Bolivia. And I was born there, but I left when I was three. Don't remember much of it. In fact, let me show you a picture of my dad. This is at the house that I lived in. When I was a kid. By the way, the reason I'm showing you a picture of my dad in this is because we went to Bolivia. That's the only picture I have of him is this random picture. I'm like, anyway, he built that frame, which is why I took a picture of it. And he's looking at me like, why are you taking a picture of me? I, that's, that's what that face is. But we go to Bolivia and my parents worked with deaf people and they helped start another Spanish church, which to this day is in the city. It's one of the largest churches in the city, actually. And they started this, this church in Bolivia, but we're back there in 2009. And my wife and I, who's expecting our daughter, who's now getting ready to turn 13, which is crazy, but um, we get invited over to a lady's house for dinner, her family. And my dad, my mom, and we, we sit down for dinner and they did this incredible feast. I mean, it was amazing. The fries in Bolivia are the best in the world. They're the best potatoes. Anyway, I might fly there tonight just to have some fries. The, uh, an incred- and they put them on everything. They throw potato. I'm like, that's why I like fries. This is how I grew up. Potatoes everywhere. Anyway, they have a, okay, reel it in. Okay. Um, we're at this lady's house for dinner and we're just talking and she turns and she starts crying and she grabs my dad's hand and, and, and she gets really emotional and she says, thank you for, thank you for reaching out to me. Thank you for leading me to Christ. And before I was born, my dad led this woman to Christ. And, and she started coming to church. She gave her life to Jesus. And she met her husband in church. They got married. They started having kids. And then they started doing ministry full time. And she looks at my dad. I'm thinking about my dad. He's trusted the vine. Imperfect man. Made a lot of, you know, just like anyone else. Broken. They just live in the world we live in. But he trusted God over and over again to say, God, I trust you. What can, what can I do with my time? How can I live my life? My dad's going to, is 71. He's going to be 72. And I've watched my parents my whole life. I've, I've seen how they did it. I saw them trust God even when it didn't make sense. And here we are in Bolivia and this lady's crying. And she's like, because you reached out to me for Christ, not only did I get saved, my, my husband and I in our home, our kids follow Jesus. We started a church and the church that we started has started 14 other churches in the community. Thank you. So what are, now I'm not advocating that you move to Bolivia to start 14 churches, but do you know what I am advocating? That your time matters, that what you do with your time matters and that Jesus the way is saying if you dare, by the way, the least boring thing you will ever do in your life is follow the way. Teenagers think, well, being a Christian is boring. Actually do what Jesus asks you to do and it will be the least boring life you will ever live, ever. It'll be incredible. It won't be easy, but it'll be incredible. But here we are, and, and so 14 other churches. And so she's getting emotional, my dad's getting emotional, my mom's getting emotional. My point is, is that you have a limited amount of time if you would trust the vine He knows you by name and the hairs you have on your head. He knows the number of days that you have. If you would simply reset, 
unplug from the world and trust what he says about you. It will transform not just who you are, but it could transform the areas around you. It will make a difference in all of your relationships. It'll make a difference in how you work. It'll make a difference in your finances. It will be so different because you're no longer living a selfish life, an inward focused life. He's gonna call you to live for more because he's the vine. And when I saw that with my dad that night in Bolivia, I said, I want my life, I want my life, I wanna see fruit from my life. I want my life to make a difference. And, And thankfully, God's grace has been sufficient so far to allow me to be part of ministry and to to do this and to see him work in incredible ways. My prayer is that I would be, hopefully have the faithfulness fruit to such a degree that I can end stronger than I started. That's my prayer for you, that you would reset. No matter how you came, you can reset, that you can end stronger than you started. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, there truly is no one who is like you. I do pray, God, that we, all of us, regardless of how we came, God, you are the way nothing that we ever do is hidden from you. I do pray, God, that we would allow time and margin in our life to know you and to walk with you, to to give you a place in our day, to give you a place in our hearts and in our minds, that our thoughts wouldn't be so consumed with what's next, that we miss what is right now, which is you. I thank you, God, because there truly is no one like you. Your grace is sufficient. You can carry us through. You can challenge us and you can correct us. I pray that we would allow ourselves to be plugged into the vine, that we would reset our, the way we look at life and that we would do it following you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for today. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.